The Lord's very kind to us, isn't he? To give us fellowship so we can help one another along. We've been, you may remember, reading in the book of John. And we got as far as the 12th chapter. And I'd like, I hope, to perhaps get to the end of the chapter. Gracious, today. Um, The story recently is that just the other day, there was the triumphal entry. Jesus fulfilled literally the promises, uh, some of those promises about the Messiah. He came riding on um, an ass's coat. He came um, lowly. Your king cometh to you lowly, riding upon an ass. and so it was obvious, given that, given the, res- the resurrection of Lazarus and the general uh, consciousness in Jerusalem of what was going on, that he, to the people, had aspirations to be the Messiah. He was presenting himself as the Messiah. These miracles, surely, and if not, what was going on? And that's where we are. And Earlier in the chapter, we had Jesus groaned in his spirit. He was troubled in his spirit in chapter 11. As he realized that these, uh, as he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, that victory over death was going to be the very trigger that brought about his murder, his crucifixion. And so that's where we're up to. And, And with that in view, the Greeks came knocking at the door. The Pharisees had put out an edict, we want to get him, we're going to kill him, if you know where he is, tell us. And the Greeks, at this Passover feast, were knocking at the door and saying, talk to him, we want to talk to him, we want to speak to Jesus. And we, we might think, well, if the Jews didn't want him, let him come to us, and he can be a prophet among us. And that triggered in Jesus the uh, responses that we read last week. All right. Um, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. You remember that. Um, and we're in chapter 12 now. So that's where we got to. Verse 27, now is my heart troubled. Perhaps we'll read from 26. If anyone serves me, they must follow me. Where I am, my servant will be too. If anyone serves me, the Father will honour them. Now, my soul, uh, my translation has heart. A little bit of an error. The word is suke. Now is my soul troubled. And Jesus went on. What am I going to say? Father, save me from this moment. As he looked in the eye, the events that were closing in on him, what am I going to do? Will I say, and he said, no. It was because of this that I came to this moment. Father, your name. Glorify your name. And you remember that right at the very beginning of his earthly ministry, about two and a half years ago, or more, we remember reading in chapter 3 of John um, that the Son of Man was going to be lifted up just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. He was conscious of where he was going. He knew that that was the end, that after all this talking to the Jews, he knew that he was headed for death on the cross and so he reminds himself for this cause 
I've got this far, came out of this hour, I've lasted to now, I've suffered the contradiction, I've suffered the insults, I've suffered the opposition, I'm not going to pike now. What am I going to say? Father, deliver me now. For this cause, I've been through all that, and I've got to this point. For this, this is it. He, it's as if he's encouraging himself. A voice from heaven. I will, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. That was thunder, said the crowd standing there. No, it was an angel talking to him. That voice came for your sake, not mine, replied Jesus. And here's where I want to take up uh, the, the reading again. That voice came for your sake, not mine, replied Jesus. 31. Now comes the judgment of this world. Now, this world's ruler is going to be thrown out. And when I've been lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. This he said, in order to point to the kind of death he was going to die. Um, And let's just consider that a little more carefully now so with the cross in sight Jesus said the cross is the judgment of the world Uh, it's interesting because it looked as if he was being judged and in a sense he was they were doing to him what they judged according to their disposition and in doing that they revealed what was in their heart by crucifying Jesus by murdering him by whatever means they revealed what they were essentially in rebellion against God at enmity with God not just them but the whole world is that fair? yeah See what they did to Jesus? That's what's inside them. Judgment, just the revelation, the confirmation of the moral condition. The world lieth in wickedness. And there's its judgment. There it is. How do you know? There's the judgment. It's proved what it is. It's demonstrated. It's been manifested. It's been ratified. It's been declared publicly. Interestingly, the cross is still today our judgment. That was it historically. That's when it happened then. But out of that, the cross is still the judgment of the world. What's your response to the cross? What's my response to the cross? That's our judgment. What's in us? Do we bow the knee or do we continue to rebel? Uh, Do we look believing or do we turn our backs unbelieving? I, if I be lifted up from the earth... I'm going back to chapter 3 instead Um, you remember that conversation with Nicodemus right at the beginning Jesus foresaw all these things just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert verse 14 of chapter 3 in the same way the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may share in the life of God's new age 
That's it. That's the judgment. The cross. If you believe and bow the knee to the crucified Son, that is the entrance to life for you. If I refuse him and will not accept him and will not be governed by him, that's the judgment. And I adhere to darkness and stay in death. Uh, so the cross is still the judgment for us today, isn't it? Alright. So we go back to our chapter. So the, the three things. First of all, the age, not just the Jews, but the whole world, the whole world system that lies in wickedness, it's now being judged. Now, the next phrase is this world's ruler going to be thrown out. Now the Jews had always called Satan the prince of this world and that's that phrase. The ruler of this world Jesus said now at the cross not only um, is the judgment going to be against the world but it's prince it's time up for him. He will be thrown out. How does that work? You may remember that from Isaiah 14 and from the book of Revelation the rebellion of created beings in fact the brightest created being Lucifer, the rebellion against God um, and John said in the Revelation I held a third of heaven fall with him do you remember that? we, don't, we won't go there now I held a third of heaven fall with him so there was a rebellion against God of created beings among them the brightest Isaiah 14 I will exalt my throne above the throne of the Most High and it was on and God suffered it to be so he even let Satan infect the earth and infect man and insinuate into him the principle of rebellion the serpent in the garden of Eden and the history of sin and the human race ever since alright, we have no argument with that so the Jews saw him as the prince of this world and in a sense he was not in a sense, he was allowed that latitude to murder man to work against God in creation hence the history of mankind and Jesus said now at the cross the prince of this world is cast out and anything that we see that is contrary to that is but the death throes he's uh, let's uh, he's no longer given that latitude and that dominion in the earth that ultimate crime of taking the incarnate Logos the son of God the Logos incarnate in flesh and murdering him that Satan orchestrated possessed Judas and alright man was evil but behind the evil of man there was a greater direer, deeper evil of Satan that marked the end of the latitude it seems from what Jesus said that Satan had been accorded now and so that cross was the pivotal moment 
in the history of the universe, in certainly in the history of uh, our race. <laughs> um, fair enough? But that means there's going to be another ruler. There's a vacancy left. The prince of this world, gone! No longer in control in the same way. So that you and I don't have to live under his dominion. Oh, look, he'll try and kid people who don't believe. But you and I, we don't have to live under his dominion. We're not subject to the prince of this world. He's gone. Out. So, uh, do you know, in a sense, I'm not saying that we should temporize with Satan's uh, minions. We shouldn't temporize with the agents of Satan and say, oh, we can, we can, we're greater than you, we can pay foot loose and we're, we're fine. I'm not suggesting we should be casual about Satan, but we shouldn't fear him. He's cast out and he has no authority over the people of the Lord Jesus. Full stop. We can hide in him. Uh, we don't have to worry about it. So don't, don't get sucked into, uh, if ever you were tempted to, you have some ammunition here to prevent yourselves from being drawn into a kind of uh, fearful thing. Oh dear, my life is going to be challenged and worked against by Satan. No, it's not. Not if you are willing to just say, I bow my knee to Jesus. Lord, uh, you're in control. Uh, so it's good for us not to get overcooked on that one you know and think oh these terrible things that are happening forces that I can't cope with no you can't cope with them Jesus has coped with them He's, he has triumphed uh, alright and actually let's just while we're on that let's just read those scriptures just for joy and edification Colossians 2 you know I think where they're going to read um we go to the book of Colossians, the second chapter. And we'll just read a couple of verses because the context is reasonably familiar to us. Perhaps we'll read another one. Verse 13. In the same way, though you were dead in legal offences, Colossians 2.13, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, Although you were dead, God made you alive together with Jesus, forgiving us all our offences. He blotted out the handwriting that was against us, opposing us with its legal demands. He took it right out of the way by nailing it to the cross. He stripped the rulers and authorities... You might like to read the prince of this world, the ruler and authority. He stripped the rulers and authorities of their armor and displayed them contemptuously to public view. You've got no power. Celebrating his triumph over them in him. He made you. I know that's an unusual translation, but it's. I think it's quite a good one. It, it helps gives another a triangulation on what the old version says. Helps explain it to us. Uh, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world cast out. Let's have a look at two Corinthians as well. Just a couple of verses there. Two Corinthians 
5. And we see that the cross produces an abyss between us and the world. Between Jesus and the world, it was never the same. He was, we'll come to that part of the verse, but he was cast out. He wasn't cast out, he was uh, ascended out. Have a look at 2 Corinthians 15, verse 14. If we're beside ourselves, says verse 13, says Paul, you see it's for God. And if we're in our right mind, if we manage to keep a hold on ourselves, so we don't talk gibberish to you so that we look sane and we can talk sensibly to you, if we are in our right mind, it's for you. For the Messiah's love makes us press on. We've come to the conviction that one died for all. And therefore all died and he died for all in order that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died and was raised on their behalf why did he die? he died for all so why? so that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died. Ah, we're going to share his life. What was Jesus living for? He lived for the Father. What did he die for? So that you and I could live just like that. So that instead of living for ourselves, we live for him. Awesome. He's made a way for us to be um, uh, receive and live in the life of the Godhead. For real. Not as some doctrine on a bit of paper. Oh, you can write it down if you like. But it doesn't make any difference. What's important is that that becomes the actuating power of our lives. Today, tomorrow, the next day, and for the rest of our lives. Um, it's not an empty doctrine. It's not a special doctrine. It's not, it's not that. It's on the level of what actuates us in our inner man. He died so that we should live under him. Well, let's get on with the job. Uh, let's not fall into the trap of believing the people that say, oh, you can never be everything but a sinner, you're just a, a poor, miserable human being, you're only flesh. Uh, no, 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 no. My Bible says that he died so that I should live under him. All right, Lord, please grant me grace to live according to your word and put your fingers in your ears to everyone else's word. Oh, what do they all say? Well, I don't know what they all say. Hey, uh, anyway, moving on. Um, let's just read this a little bit. Verse 16. For this moment on, there, from this moment on, therefore, we don't regard anybody from a merely human point of view. Even if we once regarded the Messiah that way, we don't do so. Any, sorry. Even if we once regarded the Messiah that way, we don't do so any longer. Not, he's not just. We don't know him after the flesh. Thus, if anyone is in the Messiah, there's a new creation. Hmm. Old things have gone. And look, everything has become new. We're going to get back to our chapter. Verse 30. Uh, 1. Now is this world's ruler... No, now this world's ruler is going to be thrown out. Verse 32, and when I've been lifted up out of the earth, 
here's a new word for you, or maybe it may not be a new word amphibological it's a nice one isn't it <laughs> amphibological it's worth saying just to say it it's a bit like ambiguous there are two meanings to lift it up he was uh, lifted up in the sense that he ascended and he was lifted up in the sense he, uh, lifted out of in that he was rejected as an executed man okay. I don't think we could call this uh, the two feet or whatever it was between his feet and the ground when he was on the cross I don't think that distance is the lifting up all right? the, the, the lifting up is his ascension lifting out of it's not just up, it's out of lifted out of the earth uh, it's on the one hand his ascension and on the other hand his execution as a criminal anyway if we read it again it's the verse 32 and when I've been lifted up out of the earth hang on the prince of this world has gone Jesus is being lifted out of the earth and they saw him and they saw him, they were, he was taken from them. Do you remember that? Um, just before the day of Pentecost. Uh, the world's crucified. Uh, his relationship with the world was never going to be the same again. He wasn't bound any longer by anything to do with the flesh. He wasn't bound by national obligations to the Jews. Nothing like that. But he was lifted up and was therefore able to draw who? The Jews to him? What does it say? All men to himself. Can you see him? Not with the eye of flesh. We've got to see him with the eye of faith. But with the eye of flesh, we can't see him. Uh, so the ruler of the world is invisible. His kingdom is invisible. He said, my kingdom is not of this creation. It's not of this world. He said earlier to them, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. Here it is. There it is. Oh, you look, you can see there's a, been this political move here. You can see it crystallizing. No, no. It's invisible to the natural eye. But, um, for the time being, it's invisible. There will come a time of manifestation when every knee will bow and every tongue confess and he will come in his glory and the whole world's going to see him as the lightning goes from one side of the sky to the other. Is it east to west or west to east? Whatever way it goes. The whole world is going to know. But at the moment, um, his drawing is invisible. Is that right? I, uh, but it's happening. Your lives and mine are testimony to that. He's been drawing us. The preaching of his word and the agency of the Holy Ghost underlying it or in, infusing it is his drawing. He says that the gospel is going to be preached in every place. That drawing is going to take place everywhere. It doesn't guarantee that every heart will turn, but he's going to we could, I would suggest, we could understand this, that every heart will to some extent come under the drawing of the Son. 
And our judgment will be, well, how do we respond? The cross will judge us. This son on the cross, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish. He was presented to some, and they didn't believe. And they had to perish. But to whosoever believes on him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. Um, amazing. And Jesus could see uh, as the Greeks came knocking on the doors, and the Jews don't want you, we could have you. Um, and all this began to crystallize again before him. And he saw, in, in a sense, with trepidation what was that lay ahead of him. Uh, and he said, It's all happening now. Now the judgment of the world. Now the prince is, is being thrown out. And when I've been lifted up, I'm going to draw all people to myself. I, the invisible. Um, they'll be drawn to the invisible God. What will be their response? What's your response, brother, sister? My response. That's what, we, that's what we're responsible for. Um, interesting one. Uh, I saw on the television a flash about... Now, the Queen of Australia has had a grandson and his wife here recently um, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex had you been aware of that? <laughs> yes, you have been aware the, um, the Invictus Games the Invictus, translation unconquered Invictus, unconquered the games for the unconquered they, they've been maimed they've had a, and they've, they're battling their, to get their lives back, having come back from the forces, uh, from service overseas, Maine. You, you understand that much. And I just happened to see that one of the slogans is Invictus, and they pick out, I am. And one of the slogans is, uh, You are the master of your soul. Exactly. Nice son, you said. Somebody used to say that to me. He said, my life, and I'll do what I like. And as a dad, I'd reply to him, um, why are you laughing? You can't imagine about who I'm speaking. Um, and his father would routinely have some answers to that. I can't remember what they were. But they would all have generally the, the, the thesis that, well, actually, your life has been given to you by God, and it's for him. But the truth is, of course, that I might see that, but... That's for you and you to come to the realization of and to do something about. We each are the master of our soul. And we're going to have to give account for how we steered it. True? Um, and if you've got any sense, you'll join the club and bow the knee and put it into Jesus' hands and say, Lord, I'm the master of my soul. Please, will you take it and look after it? I am your servant. I worship you. That's how to handle your soul, guys. Um, but your the, the the statement is right, really. We are the master of our souls, and we're going to give account, and we're going to give account to the Father on the last day as to how we've handled that command. Um, he's seeking worshippers. We've been given a soul. We've been given a heart. We've been given a humanity, so that we should invest it in him so that we should worship him with it so that we should sacrifice to him with it but we're the only one that can do it because we're the master of our soul we have a responsibility uh, I can't quite remember why we said that but it seems to be relevant here uh, 
Ah, yes. I will draw all people to myself. Oh, Lord. So, the judgment. Somebody said that there was a, a first manifestation of the judgment. External manifestation? An external manifestation? The first external manifestation of this judgment of the world was AD 70. But we'll read a bit longer and then come back to that idea. Um, Titus came and destroyed Jerusalem. The temple ceased to exist, the Jewish capital, the Jewish nation dissolved. Uh, perhaps we'll come back to that idea in a minute. Let's read verse 33. He said this in order to point to the kind of death he was going to die. 34. So, the crowd, remember he's inside the temple, and he's, this was the Jewish crowd, the multitude, with whom he'd been speaking on and off over the years, into different parts of them. Uh, all sorts of dissertation, all sorts of discussion, various instruction. And they said to him... Verse 34, we heard in the law, they said that the Messiah will last forever. Now, that was their interpretation. That was their interpretation of the messianic program. Um, a kind of earthly Eden. All the other enemies of Israel would be subdued. The Messiah would appear and there'd be a kingdom of heaven on earth. It would be just like these, but good. It would be a new Eden and the Messiah would last forever. We heard in the law. That was their reading and I think we've said to ourselves their misreading of the law over the years that was a rabbinic teaching so here's our program we believe this is what the law says but you say that the son of man now that was a Jesus phrase it wasn't a rabbinical phrase apparently didn't belong to the rabbis Jesus had coined that one the son of man to indicate he had associated completely with man this was God incarnate in the flesh but you say the son of man must be lifted up please get the picture Yesterday we had the triumphal entry, and they all and he received their worship as Messiah. The whole place was a buzz. The Messiah has come. Now I've got a bit of a problem now today, Jesus. Um, we understand that the Messiah will reign forever, but you say, and in the Greek that you is emphatic, just as I have said it there. But you say, in contrast that the Son of Man must be lifted up. So, who is this Son of Man you've been talking about? That's what they said here. So who is this Son of Man? Can we read that? How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? How does it relate to our idea of the Messiah? Well, there's some pertinent questions, aren't they? And what did Jesus answer? Well, my translation, again, is a little bit wrong, because it says, and Jesus replied. And the Greek is not that at all. He said. He declared. He made a statement. 
In fact, he ignored their question, or he ignored any attempt to answer their question. What have you got in your sister? Verse 30. Uh, verse 35, the beginning. What did, so what did it say about Jesus' speech? Said to them. Exactly. Yeah, he said, he declared. Our dear friend Tom Wright said, replied. And it wasn't a reply. He, the time for instruction was passed. Now is the time, the hour has come. The prince of this world has been cast out. The judgment of this world has come. Israel, it's all over for you. There's no time for, there's not any longer the time for discussion. It's not any longer the time for instruction. So in answer to their question, he gave them no answer. He instead makes a final appeal to them. Doesn't even attempt to answer it. Usually, he answered them. He went to. He went um, at some pains to answer, if not what they asked, what they meant when they asked. Sometimes, he'd, quite often, he'd answer their spirit rather than their words. Not a thing. He, as it were, ignored it. And this is what he said: How can you say only these big theological questions? Come on, help us out here. Not a sound. The light is among you a little while longer. He just ignored them. Good teachers do that, by the way. They, they'll, they'll, they'll think all these questions and they'll say something that's completely irrelevant to the questions because the questions aren't relevant to the conversation. I have learnt the hard way. Anyway. Mr. Collins, I've got a question. No. Can I ask a question? No. You, that's not good to say that. Um, it's not wise because then they go home and say my science teacher doesn't let me ask questions ah, let's lynch him anyway, so sometimes you learn the hard way um, <clears throat> have you noticed my neck is longer? Uh, anyway uh, he ignored the question <laughs> that was all completely irrelevant sorry, <laughs> moving on um, he ignored it and he said what they really needed to hear it was an appeal to them in compassion the light is among you a little while longer replied no, declared Jesus keep walking while you have the light while you have the light in case the darkness overcomes you people who walk in the dark don't know where they're going isn't that the history of Judaism the Messiah came, the light came, they rejected it. Where's it gone in the last 2,000 years? They stumbled in the dark. No ark, no sacrifices. Looking for a Messiah that will never come. Because he's, he's come. They miss him. Uh, you get the point. Hence the AD 70 thing. That the first external manifestation of the judgment of this world was AD 70. The destruction of Jerusalem, the the, um, the demonstration that the theocracy that had existed right from Moses' time was over. It was finished. It was uh, that wasn't the deal anymore. Jesus had been lifted up, and in his invisible realm of the spiritual place, was drawing all men to what himself divine attraction it's him, it's him Christianity is Christ 
So, um, we've got to verse 35. Walking in the light? Yeah. Walk while you have the light. What were they supposed to do? They were first of all supposed to walk toward him. Do you remember in John's Gospel, chapter 3, we keep going back there, Jesus said, this is a condemnation that light is come into the world and men ran toward it. No. The condemnation is that light is come into the world and men loved darkness. And so they were condemned. Their response to the light was a condemnation of their moral condition. Jesus said, walk while you've got the light. They were supposed to walk toward the Lord Jesus. And when they got to him, I'm talking metaphorically, when they got spiritually, when they got to receive him, they were supposed to walk with him. Look, the light's here. Make use of it while you've got it. Lest darkness come upon you. When I'm, I'm about to go, and if you don't make the right responses now, it's all over for you. I think you're, can you see that in that, uh, can you see that uh, suggestion in those words, that meaning in those words? Keep walking now while you've got the light is only here with you for a little while. Forget the questions, forget your problems, forget this block and that block. Now, believe in me. Okay. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. Not people who are stumbling in darkness, not knowing where they're going, without hope, never ever getting where they can't get. While you've got the light, believe in the light, so that you may become children of light. And as we, you and I, are entitled to become children of light. And as we receive the light, we become children of light. Yeah, the light gets into us and it shines out of us. Let your light, your light, no, I'm just a human being. I don't, oh, you should have light. You're supposed to go and get some. Uh, so that your light, you've got to let shine. No, no, I've got to let Jesus' light shine. No, it's got to become your light. You've got to let his light into your spirit so that you become light, children of light, and you've got to let, I've got to let my light shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Oh no no! I'm shush. Sorry. Come on, let's be dominated. Let's let's be instructed by the Lord Jesus. Not have an answer. Everyone's got an answer. Let's not have any answers for him. Let's just say yes, Lord, and bow the knee. Uh, Change me. Look, you know what I thought the other day? The natural man will suffer virtually any level of discipline and constraint to make himself religious. The natural man will. So depending, you know, um, on, on a various, various ways. Some people will be a little bit religious. Some people will be a bit more religious. Some people can get, don't mind getting really religious. That's fine. I'll do all sorts of things. I'll jump through hoops. I'll go to Mass every day. And that's what they used to do in the old days. Go to um, all sorts of things. But the thing a natural man won't do is surrender the lordship of his life. Oh, yes, I'll do this, I'll do that, and the other. 
but will you bow the knee and let me rule you? Oh, no, 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 don't touch me. And so we can, the natural man is quite good at building up a smokescreen of good behaviour and good religion and all sorts of constraint. And oh, well, I haven't cut my hair for 20 years um, because I'm a good Nazarene. Um, actually, you wouldn't notice. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> or, these sorts of religious observances depending on the disposition of an actual man, they're all up for grad but that's not what's important, what the Lord is after is worship, he's after that we bow the knee and cede the rule of our lives to him it's called death uh, the cross um, and that's why there's so much religion in the world because there's a good smokescreen for covering up the rebellion of my own spirit anyway uh, that's we're not here to do that let's let's talk about what I'm thinking Uh, let's listen to what the Lord Jesus is saying that's much more the thing while you have the light believe in the light so that you may become children of light with these words Jesus went away and was hidden from them that was it now, you could draw a line under Jesus' ministry in Israel at that point. That was on the uh, eve of the crucifixion. We're going to come up to the actual eve in, in the next chapters. That was it. No more discussion. They wanted to open up the conversation, and he made a final appeal to them. Uh, it was over. He went away and was hid from them. I think we talked about Gethsemane. He routinely went and hid in Gethsemane to get away from the crowd. Perhaps he went back to Bethany and hid there. But he wasn't in the mix any longer. He'd been daily in the temple, teaching and reasoning. And now, over. Okay. I don't know what time I started, so there's no point looking at my watch. Excellent. Moving on. Verse 37. <laughs> they didn't believe in him. So we, for what happens now? So John, with those words in verse 36, he was out of there. Finished. John, John switches from narrating events to a bit of a reflection. Verse 37. Okay, so we have a reflection from John. Not a narration, um, but a, a reflection on the story so far. Addressing, first of all, the mysterious fact of Jewish unbelief. He came under his own, and his own received him not, we had in chapter 1. Why is this? All the miracles, all the teaching, and the person of Christ, so clearly uh, exhibiting the Father's heart, what's going on? Why didn't they receive him? And so let's just have a read. They didn't believe him, even though he had done so many signs in front of their eyes. Why? So that this word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Lord, who believed the story we told? Your powerful arm. Who saw it unveiled? Point one, it was prophesied that that would be the result. On a national level, The deal was already sealed before Jesus came. It was already, not that they couldn't have got out, but just that God could see it happening. He'd been handling a rebellious nation for centuries. And as I said, they didn't believe. It wasn't that 
he didn't let them is that they wouldn't do it they had already demonstrated their uh, condition is that a problem? so that was the first thing that it was foreseen the father foresaw what would happen didn't mean to say that he made it happen it's just that he could see what was going to happen he, he isn't bound by time like you and me he sees the future as it's the present um, that was just what was going to happen but this is more puzzling verse 39 that's why they couldn't believe so that's why they couldn't believe again as Isaiah put it verse 40 now this is extraordinary um, well, you and I need to be careful uh, I don't Okay, verse 40. He has caused their eyes to be blind and caused their hearts to be hard so that they couldn't see with their eyes or understand with their hearts or turn so that I could heal them. (laughs) Isn't that that what happened to, to Pharaoh as well? We read that God hardened his heart. And I suppose that if we uh, start to cede authority to the beginning of sin, we uh, render ourselves ready to be given up to it. Now, we thank God that there are, there's a place of repentance. But you don't know, and I don't know, how far we've got to go down that line before it's all too late, and I'm all too set, and I've, all, I've spent my soul. I have given myself to rebellion to such an extent that God's given me up. It's serious. What we do with our souls matters. <laughs> thank God for grace. And as we see in the next verses, it wasn't that nobody could turn, but as a nation. So we wasn't get confused with God's judgment on the nation and the opportunity for individuals to turn. But as a nation, they had already, in for generations, proved that they were not worthy of God's favour. They returned his favour with disobedience. And in the end, he was saying in Isaiah 6, it was, go tell my people? No. Go tell this people. The possessive pronoun no longer used. Such had been the entrenchment, generation after generation, of rebellion. Oh yeah, there was always a remnant, but as a nation generation after generation rebellion rejection disobedience so that God hardened their heart so that the Messiah would be crucified so that through them salvation would come to the world so he used their rebellion to bring salvation to the world with no cross there would have been no salvation Uh, what was their calling? they were to be a light to lighten the Gentiles did that work? no 
they were in darkness themselves but yes because through their darkness God brought salvation to the world so let's not get uppity and think that we can judge God and we understand everything let's just bow our knee and say Father we worship you Uh, and in the very next lines we find that it's this national hardness didn't extend to individuals so whereas as a national as a theocracy they were out their probation had proved them unfit God hardened their hearts so they wouldn't turn as individuals verse 42 even so however quite a few of the rulers believed in him ah (laughs) so they could turn we can turn um is that alright? quite a few of the rulers believed in him and you know that on the day of Pentecost 3,000 Jews turned and came into the kingdom so but as a nation it was all over however just to hear him out though quite a few of the rulers did believe in him but because of the Pharisees they didn't declare their faith why? because of the Pharisees what a grip they had this um this group, what a grip they had of the nation, that these guys were believing in God and they wouldn't let, and they wouldn't budge on it, they wouldn't let it be known because they were frightened of the Pharisees it says a couple of things, doesn't it? it says one, what Tartars the Pharisees must have been, what a grip and terror they must have ruled the people with, stepping into the gap there and pretending that they're God's representatives and we're going to keep you repressed remember all that stuff in, the, the, uh, in chapter 9 and they were going to cast them out of the synagogue and they were all frightened but it also says something about the uh, priorities in the hearts of the rulers doesn't it? Yeah. to know that God is among us and be worried about the Pharisees well, do the right thing and take the consequences is not the coward's way wouldn't you say Uh, Lord I ain't going to trust you and take the consequences but no I know that this is God among us they believed on him it's extraordinary didn't it it's bizarre but even though they knew that this was God among them but I better not say anything because of this lot over there the Pharisees they're going to make my life difficult Um, hence we find in chapter 10 of Romans um, with the heart man believes unto righteousness but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and we can't get away with saying oh yes Lord I believe in my head Uh, if we believe in our head it's got to govern our bodies we've got to worship him with our bodies worship him with the obedience of our bodies um, and let the word become incarnate in us and if necessary not if necessary and absolutely suffer the consequences Lord I bow my knee to you for better or for worse for richer or for poorer whatever it may entail and for some of the early Christians it was being fed to the lions um, and crucified upside down and so on and so on and so on many 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 martyrs who believed in their hearts and confessed with their mouths 
and they were prepared to take the consequences. And many, many martyrs through the ages, who, um, in different, at different stages in history, they said, yes, Lord Jesus, whatever it takes, and they lost their lives for it. Torture. If you read the covenants, what they're doing to each other in Scotland, um, they have their hearts cut out, and all sorts of things, before they die. Uh, because they dared to be faithful to Jesus before men. But not this crowd. So there's a bit of an indictment. For you and me, um, have we yet resisted sin unto blood? That's a Hebrews phrase, isn't it? You have not yet resisted unto blood against sin. Let you and me be faithful. Let's worship the Lord with our bodies. Um, it's real then, isn't it? Not just, oh, some religious stuff that he says, but actually it's what governs his actions. Verse 44. Who is it that they're rejecting? Just a, a, a meditation, first of all, on who it is that they rejected, and secondly, on the teaching of the one that they're rejecting. Verse 44. Anyone who believes in me shouted Jesus in a loud voice. By the way, this is a bit of a recap. Can I suggest to you that these last verses are a bit of a recap, uh, a precy of all the things that Jesus said. This is not another speech. I like to suggest to you that this is a, a compilation, a precy, a recap, a summary from John. Here's what he said. After all, this is what he'd been saying. Here are the things, and you can go back through all the verses that we've been reading to find these. Anyone who believes in me, he shouted, he had, he shouted it loud enough, in a loud voice, doesn't believe in me, but in the one who sent me. Anyone who sees me, sees the one who sent me. That's obviously not with this eye, but with the eye of faith. Anyone who gets through to believing in me and seeing what I really am as he who was sent from the Father is not seeing in his inner man, seeing with faith. Me, he's seeing the one who sent me, he's seeing the Father. So, obviously it wasn't this eye, because that was every, um, every man, woman and child who clapped eyes on him. So, this is the sight of the inner man. Uh, I've come, verse 46, into the world as light, so that everyone who believes in me wouldn't need to stay in the dark. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I'm not going to judge them. That wasn't why I came. I came to save the world, not to judge it. Anyone who rejects me and doesn't hold on to my words has a judge. The word which I have spoken will judge them on the last day. So uh, what he said will be held up against what we are and what we've done and will be judged according to that. I haven't spoken of my own authority. The Father who sent me gave me his own command. It wasn't my idea. Jesus, John was reinforcing, summarizing Jesus' position and his teaching. He hadn't come with his own authority. He hadn't come with his own ideas. The Father who sent me gave me his own command about what I should say and speak.